Blog Talk Radio. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here with Adrian Breen, president of the Cincinnati region of First Financial Bank. Thanks for joining us today, Adrian. Thanks for having me, Mike. Okay. Before we really get started, I'm going to tell everyone what's co- who's coming up on the show. On tomorrow's show, we're going to have Betsy Emery from Teles. They are a web development company that Betsy had built from the ground up. They work with larger clients, build complex websites. Next week, we're going to have Dr. Neil Meyer from the Union Institute. He is their military recruiter. He's been president of their uh, Vermont campus, an ex-Marine, great guy. It'll be a really interesting show. The following week, on Friday the 19th, we're going to have Chris Adams. He was the uh, executive director of Stepping Stones Foundation, and Stepping Stones is the operator of Camp Allen for uh, Cincinnati Rotary Club. On the 25th of October, we're going to have Dave Myers. He's the owner of Office Key. Uh, that's a locally owned shared office space company. I think they have five locations here in the Cincinnati marketplace. Uh, he has an interesting story to tell. He started out in the shared office space business over 20 years ago, uh, running the HQ franchise. And on November 1st, we have a show on long-term care, and we're going to have two specialists in the area, Terry Flaherty and Andy Kennedy. The next show on November 2nd is going to be Web Print Technologies with Alan Greer. He's going to talk about some of the newer ways that if you print a lot of paper forms, you can take advantage of the cloud and some of their new technologies to lower costs. And a real interesting guy, special guest we have coming in on the 9th of November is Jim Hunter. He was a franchisee with Home Doctors, and he recently bought the whole company. So that should be a really interesting show to hear his perspectives. Let's see, what do we have coming up here with Sandler? We have a one-day cold call camp for people who have to make cold calls. That's coming up Wednesday the 24th. It's an all-day program. If you want to stop wasting your time on telephone work and turn it into productive work where you get to talk to 70% of the people you dial, you need to be there. We'll build three scripts for your contact, probably 10 ways to get by the gatekeeper, and a way to have 80% of your voicemail messages returned. Uh, and we'll actually prove it during the course of the program. Let's see. The Sandler Client Summit, February, 24th, 20, uh, February 14th and 15th, 
in Orlando, Florida. That's a tough duty station. That's a good time. I'll definitely be there with, <laughs> with about uh, 300 other with about 300 other Sandler trainers, and we'll have about 700 clients from around the globe. And the theme of that two-day program is No Guts, No Gain, how to get tougher. When times get tough in sales, we have to get tougher. And this will be the opportunity for sales managers and salespeople to meet and hear visionaries in the field. We'll have two separate tracks, one for sales managers and one for salespeople. Let's see. Here's a program that we're going to do in January for four weeks. There are people out there listening who are networkers. And lots of times people tell me that their networking efforts in a BNI group or some other group isn't working. They're not getting a return on their investment. Uh, Sandler put together a program about a year and a half ago called Networking Works. We're going to do that for four consecutive Monday mornings. Uh, in January, starting January 7th. If you're interested in making your networking work better for you, give us a call at 753-9400 in the 513 area code. Adrian, you joined First Financial Bank in 2005. That's correct. But you, you've had a lot of history in your resume after you got out of college. Yes. Why don't you tell us how you got here? Well, I started in banking back in 1988 for a large regional bank, to date myself a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh, started in the retail side of the bank, uh, worked my way after uh, two or three years into the commercial side of the bank uh, and kind of navigated my way through a couple of different opportunities. Started back at Fifth Third Bank back in the day, which was a very unique experience, growth-minded organization at the time. Saw rapid growth. They were kind of the leader, leader in the industry. That was when George was in charge. That's when George, great bankers, and was very fortunate to work uh, for a lot of great bankers during that time mm -hmm. and uh, learned a lot. Uh, went to work at Park National Bank uh, for a couple of years. Uh, when, and I met Claude Davis and knew a couple of the board members at First Financial. Had a lot of respect for the organization. Loved the plan that Claude had put together. Uh, very growth-minded. Uh, another good banker. So have been very fortunate in my career to come uh, into contact with different people at just the right time. So um, First has been around since 1863. Uh, we're the sixth oldest bank in the country, uh, used to be the eighth, but all the turmoil and mergers and acquisitions in the banking industry uh, moved us up to the sixth oldest bank in the country right now. So headquartered in uh, Hamilton, Ohio, the bank holding company is. A um, lot of great bankers have come through there over the years. Claude really brought a more growth-minded expansion mode to the bank, um, and we have been trying to implement and execute on that for about the last six or seven years. So is your office... In Hamilton or downtown, downtown. Cincinnati. Yep. Okay. The, the bank holding company is headquartered in downtown Cincinnati, and then the bank is headquartered um, in Hamilton still. Okay. That, that was a little bit confusing to an yes. outsider. It, it, it's interesting. Have you ever been through that uh, banking college in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia? I have not. Oh, okay. I went to the School of Hard Knocks instead here in Cincinnati. Okay. <laughs> My son-in-law is in banking, and oh, is that right? Yeah, he was with. He is still. He, at that time, he was with uh, uh, North Fork Bank on Long Island, okay. I guess. And mm -hmm. they sent him down there, went through Citibank, and now he runs their uh, retail and wholesale operations in uh, Manhattan and uh, Long Island, and Greater New York City area. Very competitive landscape there. Yeah, really strange, mm -hmm. really strange. 
uh, I guess it's with Capital One Bank. Okay. Which makes it even stranger. <laughs> they acquired uh, North Fork. Uh, so you went to Xavier University with a degree in business. Were you thinking of getting in banking when you were uh, going through college? Believe it or not, a little bit. I actually have uh, quite a bit of banking in my family history. Mm-hmm. Uh, my great-grandfather um, started his own bank in New York City. I was actually born in New York and moved here uh, in grade school. Uh, oh. My father was a banker. I thought I could hear the thirty third and third on your accent. <laughs> it's a hybrid accent. Right. <laughs> I went to college in Kentucky as well, Moorhead State, for four years, so... Uh, but yeah, I have, have had uh, banking and uh, finance in our family for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, my son's a senior in college out at Truman State uh, University in northeast Missouri, and he's a finance major as well, currently interviewing. He'll graduate in December, so maybe yeah. he'll carry that legacy on. Banking is a good industry. And your outside interests include things like United Way, uh, Lakota Fields Project, which I don't know what that is. That was Lakota West um, and Lakota East. They had some uh, fairly beat-up old uh, athletic facilities up there. Well, that kind of feels. Sure, and uh, really needed help. Didn't have enough money in the budget with all of the um, schools they had to build and and the buildings they had to put up to accommodate the growth out there. So uh, it was kind of a partnership with private and public industry to put together a funding source to help them get... Mm -hmm. I see that you have an association with Dan Beard Council. Yep, had volunteered with them. Great organization. A lot of respect for them and the Boy Scouts. Obviously, they do great work and get a lot of great things accomplished and try to help out with them uh, through some volunteerism in the past. That's good. That's good. We had uh, Tom Duggar in uh, last okay. week, who was the CEO of uh, Dan Beard. Yep. He's a great guy. Yes, absolutely. Great guy. And what is it you do with the Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati's Economics for Education? That was I was um, I was a part of um, their board at one point. I'm not currently active with them, but you know a lot of what we try to do is financial literacy based. And they had a lot of programs with George Redevelt and some of the outreach that he did with some of the local high schools and grade schools, um, and some of the programs that they try to run. And uh, we sponsored that as an organization and got involved in some uh, different initiatives with them. Okay, let me ask you one question before we take a break. And if we don't finish, we'll break and then come back to this question. Sure. Maybe you can share for the entrepreneurs, small business owners that are listening to the show, how do you go about establishing a solid relationship with a bank? Right. And great question and critical to the success. And I think we have a philosophy at first. You know, we think anybody that's in business, especially that closely held business owner, they need a good CPA, they need a good accountant, or I'm sorry, a good attorney, and they need a great banker. And uh, we're biased. We think the banker is a critical role there, but all kidding aside, they're equally important. And really, if you look at what the prolonged economic downturn has done to those in, uh, privately held business owners and all business, it really has put a crunch on the working capital and liquidity they need to run their business. So we try a lot of different unique approaches to help balance out the proper funding um, of those companies. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a, a break here. And uh, if you're interested in asking Adrian a question, you can call in on 646-595-4916. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. 
Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. Company owners and sales managers, are you sick and tired of hiring a salesperson you think is Tom Cruise only to get Pee Wee Herman on the first day of the job? Call me, Mike Roth, 513-646-6523 to stop this from happening to you again. Company owners and sales managers, are you tired of cutting your price to get the deal? Wouldn't you like to have a better way? Wouldn't you want to improve your margins? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 to see if there's a better way for you. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Adrian Breen, uh, president of First Financial Bank. How does a a business owner select the bank? Well, primarily relationship-driven. I think that's really the art of banking. We have an old saying we talk about is the art of banking quite often. The, the number side of it is the science side of it. And that's, you can go to school, you can learn about that, but the art of banking is how you apply that to each individual opportunity when you work with those business owners. And right before the break, we were talking about uh, access to working capital and liquidity for companies. Historically, business owners, entrepreneurs would go out and they either utilized equity in their home They had a savings account or investment account that they could access. They had family members and friends that either had that equity um, or investment and savings accounts. Well, again, that prolonged economic downturn has caused people to utilize, well, first of all, a lot of home values have gone down. So that's a challenge in itself. That equity is no longer there. Investment returns have also dropped. And those individuals have had to turn to those funds for emergency purposes and to sustain lifestyle in a lot of cases. So, you know, having that access to that liquidity, the first place people turn is to the bank. And really, that's not the proper role a bank plays in a successful company. They play that working capital role. The equity should come from the owner's capital or investors or somebody along those lines. So we try to help clients balance that out. And once they have that proper capital structure in place, their life will be so much easier. Help them understand uh, the 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 cash flow of their business, the patterns, you know, what's the timing? When does the money come in? When does it go out? How do you manage in today's world of fraud and and the Internet and, you know, global nature of the economy? There's a lot of challenges out there that a good banker can help you with. So at what point should a business owner uh, consult with a banker? As soon as possible. And that's going to be different. Everybody's situation or scenario will be different, but that's the beauty of having a good banker. You know, you don't need a bank, and there's a difference between having a bank and a banker. The building is the bank. The banker is the individual that can step in, walk you through uh, the process that we do with our clients and prospects, and really try to develop that personalized approach um, to what that business needs. That's not easy to do in an ever-changing world, but uh, we like to think we um, have gotten pretty good at that art of banking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what are, you, what are you guys hearing that your your prospective clients uh, want the most from a financial partner? 
really um, what they look for is that relationship with that individual uh, relationship manager or lender or banker that they have. have to have a good communication flow, have to trust that person, and you have to continuously meet and keep that banker updated. Bankers do not like surprises. You know, we like to be predictable, and uh, we've gotten better here in the last couple of years at looking forward. You know, everybody always used to look back at historical performance mm-hmm. and think that that is some sort of uh, indication of future performance. Well, starting about 2007, 2008, into the current period, you've seen what that's done. So we've become much quicker on our feet, much more forward-thinking, forward-looking, and really have gotten to understand business better on an individual basis because everybody's cash flow cycle is different. Everybody's challenges are different. Is it competition? Is it industry driven? Is it overhead? Um, you know, there's a, a wide variety of challenges that a banker can help you with. Right. Right. We were talking to uh, one of our guests a few months ago and he's, he said at one point in his business, he was down to his last $6 before. And he had talked to many banks until this one bank stepped forward and said, yes, they would, uh, Finance, if you would, the working capital in the building, in the business, because they had, a, I guess, it had a really good margin, but no other bank wanted to pick them up. Interesting, and that's great. I mean, that's what you wanted to do. You want to find that banker. You know, we think we have a lot of them at First Financial, obviously, because that's how we do business. That's our niche, um, and that space we operate in, the size we are, our speed to market. Um, and the knowledge that our relationship managers and employees have gives us a competitive edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit more about, and tell our listeners a little bit more about how you go to market? We uh, are a line of business-driven banks. So our first financial is primarily a commercial bank, a retail bank, and a wealth management, you know, the three primary um, core pieces of the business. So if you are that privately held business owner, you will have uh, your business will have needs. You'll have needs individually from a you know mortgage standpoint, consumer lending standpoint, investment standpoint, trust, uh, 401k, uh, employee benefit, retirement accounts for your business, and then on your personal side, your family banking, um, all the way from a home mortgage uh, to student loans. You know whatever that need might be, you know a good banker can help you navigate through that process, and that's why we've aligned ourselves. We tried trying to evolve to more of an expert-driven line of business approach. If it's a commercial need, you know, we have good commercial lenders. If it's an investment commercial real estate opportunity, we have specialists in that category, uh, asset-based lending. Uh, we've just uh, got that group up and running in the last year or two. And then the wealth management group on your investment side, personally and corporately, and then the retail side. That's the branches uh, and the consumer lending piece. So do you think the... Uh Recent departure of Fifth Third's top uh, investment officers going to cause some displacement or upset in the marketplace? You know, it'll definitely be noticed. You know, that's a big bank in town. They carry a lot of clout, um, always have very well-run organization. I have a lot of friends over there still. Um, we, but, ha- we used to have a lot of clients over there. <laughs> um, but, you know, that will, that'll, that'll, there'll be a ripple effect from that, obviously. Um, you know, we really we operate in a different space. You know, we are a six and roughly a six and a half billion dollar bank. Uh, Fifth Third's a hundred billion dollar plus. Some of the larger banks in town, and then there's a group of a billion and under banks in town. So we have a very unique space. Um, you know, we have the capacity that's attractive to some of those middle market companies, mm-hmm. and especially that privately held business owner and the private sector. Uh, you know, with the relationship approach, 
that consultative approach, that value added that we bring, instead of just being a name and number, that relationship goes a long way. Okay, relationship is is, is really what you're saying is the important thing at First Financial. Correct. And the client, we're a very client-centered organization. You see it in our marketing, you see it in how we, you know, take or what our approach is. <clears throat> excuse me, to business is it's client-centered because the client, you know, for us to stay in business in this type of economy, we have to stay uh, relevant to the client. And we can't do that by taking a broad stroke, um, one one approach fits all mentality. We have to have the ability to go in, get to know our client, understand their business, what their needs are, and what the best solutions are. A lot of times what they have is not, it may be what they think they need, but it is not what they need to help their business be successful. And we take a lot of pride in the fact that during this prolonged downturn, we have helped a lot of companies stay in business and have actually helped them grow and excel during one of the most difficult economies in over 100 years. Mm-hmm. For some people, it has been a different, difficult economy. Yep. Uh, so your business developers, you don't call them salespeople. What do you call them? Correct, and that's a, that's a great topic. Uh, we call them relationship managers. They are commercial RMs, uh, relationship managers. And in banking, a, you know, a lot of times people talk about sales, but we are not a product of the month seller. You know, we are really not salespeople. We've actually talked about renaming a lot of what we do solutions provided instead of sales. Because if you go out to try to sell somebody on something, then that's somewhat of a short-term goal. If you come out and you bring those comprehensive banking solutions that are tailor-made to fit that individual's needs and that company's needs, now you've got that art of banking down. That's really, you know, to us, that's how we're going to stay relevant to the client. That's how we'll grow the bank. You know, we'll become known as the employer of choice for those good bankers that mm-hmm. want to come and work with us, and we'll be the bank of choice for those good clients that understand the value in that. Are you taking market share right now? Uh, we are. I think we are. You know, And a lot of that is the fact that we're the new kid in town bringing this model with our speed to market and the people that we have. Uh, we've got a great team. Uh, I, I'm in charge of the greater Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area in that region. And you know we have uh, quite a bit of market share in Butler County, where the bank was founded in Hamilton back mm-hmm. in 1863. And then I've also got the new emerging market in Cincinnati and northern Kentucky, where we're somewhat of the new kid on the block. So we have a very target-rich environment. Uh, we have a lot of great momentum that some of our success has uh, steamrolled and uh, snowballed for us. Our marketing and communications group do a great job. You see our brand everywhere. It's very consistent. It's very clean. gives a great message. Uh, those folks do a great job for us. It gets us in a lot of doors. And then our job from there is to pick up the ball and run with it, Put you know, get to know those clients, put those solutions in place, and it's a win-win. So... Uh, are you adding in the last year or two? Have you actually added employees? We have. You know, that count us up. It, it is. We you know we continue. Obviously, in this economy, one of our biggest challenges is how do we grow in those growth markets? How do we keep our existing clients satisfied and stay up to date with them? And then how do you meet the ever changing world, uh, the regulatory environment, and and meet all that and stay efficient. That's what banks have to do now is stay efficient. So we have tough decisions to make just like everybody else does. Um, but what we try to do is keep that client at the center of those decisions, see what's best for everybody involved, and, you know, again, that balancing act. Do you have a, a growth target here uh, for this market? Uh, we do. It's unlimited, basically. <laughs> 
you know, to be, and that sounds a little corny, but because of the unique nature of us being the new kid on the block, you know, we obviously put individual goals in place. We have goals, you know, as a group. Uh, but really, you know, the bigger picture is that is we want to establish First Financial Bank as a top commercial bank in that greater Cincinnati, Kentucky region. So some businesses have uh, structural limitations to how fast they can grow. Correct. Uh, many years ago, uh, I worked for uh, the Burroughs Corporation, Ray McDonald, mm-hmm. and uh, he decreed that we, the company would grow 15 to 18 percent per year. That's it. And when we exceeded those those numbers, we ran into all kinds of obstacles and problems. Sure. Uh, sometimes we were successful, mm-hmm. but lots of times the company resources were not available. We couldn't get the hardware we wanted. We couldn't get the technicians we wanted. Couldn't get the programs we wanted uh, when we needed them. So it made high speed growth exceptionally difficult. Sure. In, in your world, you're saying you're, you're prepared to grow it. We are. We are 100. percent And in banking, without boring everybody too much, you know, we are very well capitalized, and that's what's critical in banking, especially uh, from 2008 on, is your capital base and your liquidity. And uh, we are a very well capitalized bank. Um, we have the liquidity, and we have the capacity and resources to grow. Uh, you know, we're a publicly traded company. Uh, I think if you've ever listened to any of our earnings calls, our management team openly talks about that. You know, as as much success as we've had getting in the door here in Cincinnati and getting that brand out, we've done it in Indianapolis. We've done it up in Dayton and in Middletown. And, you know, we are attractive not only to clients and to prospects, but also to other banks as that regulatory environment continues to evolve. You know, you'll see all kinds of new compliance requirements and standards that will make it more and more difficult for smaller financial institutions to balance that. So mm-hmm. we hope to capitalize on that. Um, stick with some good core growth, obviously. Um, in these growth markets, we've made a lot of investment in banking centers um, in the tri-state area. We continue to do that. Good de novo growth and very uh, selective um, potential uh, for um, additional acquisitions. Okay. And one of the things that I've seen in, in our marketplace are a few companies that that are – catering to businesses that they claim are unbankable. Uh, I don't want to use any names, but uh, I'm sure you've seen them too. Sure. No, and that's one of the biggest challenges right now, and we mentioned it earlier. We touched on it. The first place a lot of companies call is their banker, and really it might be venture capital. It might be mezzanine debt, which, uh, you know, we've we've made an investment in North Creek Mezzanine uh, Fund here in Cincinnati. Um, Well, we kind of have a rule that's saying when we're going to use a buzzword that everyone in our industry knows, but other people <laughs> might not, especially prospects, we have to define it first. So mezzanine is like the first level of the balcony. Correct. What does it mean for sure. a banker? Sure. Uh, for a banker, it's that piece of, of capital that's critical to a company between equity and the bank debt that you might see on a balance sheet or an investor, you know, a lot of times we mention. I actually see the words mezzanine on the balance sheet. Uh, you could. Really? You might. You, absolutely. It might show, um, it, it would show up in the equity section, obviously, mm-hmm. in, the, in the capital, you know, retained earnings. And then it would either, you know, you have your own equity and then depending on how it's structured, there's a couple of different ways you could structure that. You absolutely could see it in there. If it, you know, if it's not, it, it doesn't under 
play the role that it that it plays for companies because for expansion, deleveraging a balance sheet, other growth opportunities, um, it is critical. And it is somewhat of a more patient uh, source of working capital for a company uh, versus a bank. You know, banks like to come in and typically, uh, if we finance uh, an owner-occupied piece of commercial real estate for a manufacturer, you know, that's very predictable. We can come in, we can get an appraisal done, put a nice loan in place. A lot of times we utilize the SBA uh, for those opportunities, for the benefits that they bring in their 504 program. And then the owner has maybe a 10 to 20% down payment. And then depending on what their capital structure is, they may need additional money. Mm-hmm. And if their equity um, is tapped out or used up in their personal residence, they've had to use their savings or investment accounts to sustain lifestyle or to sustain the company. Where do they go? The next biggest challenge, other than that prolonged economic downturn for a company, is the growth mode. So as the economy comes back, the orders start to come in. If you don't have the working capital to fund that, that can put you in a jam. So, you know, the uh, mezzanine debt fund that I mentioned is an SBIC, which, you know, for the listeners out there, you can go out on the Internet and find a lot of information. There are several out there. Um, We've worked very successfully with the group we've decided to partner with. Um, and have helped companies and continue to use them. Good. Uh, Let's take a a short break. And, again, if you have a question for Adrian, you can call in on 646-595-4916. Let's listen to uh, Stand the Rule number 38. I'm Al Strauss with Sandler Training. Talk to you about rule number 38. The problem the prospect brings you is never the real problem. When people have heard this rule and thought about it a bit, if they've been in sales for more than a few months, they almost always say, well, that's obvious. I've had lots and lots of prospects that told me what they wanted. I showed them what they wanted and they didn't buy it. So it seems that it would be obvious. The problem is most folks don't understand it and you get in the middle of the conversation and here's a prospect who's interested in something, you've got the something and you just show up. And what you really need to learn how to do is ask a bunch more questions because frankly, in most cases, the prospect doesn't even understand what the real problem is. And so if you ask three or four more questions about what they claim they need or are looking for or want, you're going to discover that it morphs, it changes, sometimes dramatically. What they end up needing is perhaps even diametrically opposed to what they originally said they were looking for. So ask the questions. Don't take the first thing they give you. Dive down into the real issues, and you're going to have yourself a much better day selling to this prospect. This is Mike Roth. I'm here with Adrian Breen of First Financial Bank, and uh, let's uh, let's talk about the the marketplace. You've talked about uh, the minor economic uh, slowdown that we've had since 2007, 2008, affected some people more than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in your banking 
perspective. You know, put your banking glasses on. What do you see as the outlook and possibilities? Well, my crystal ball is very foggy right now, obviously. So I have to be careful, you know, how we talk about some of those things. But I think a lot of uncertainty is the key, a lot more volatility out there. You know, the economy is uh, my own humble opinion and what the experts say. I'm not an expert, but I like to listen to the experts. Very fragile still. You know, I think personally um, it's a lot of, uh, you know, jobs. We need more jobs will help lead more of a recovery. You know, there's still the other shoe to drop on home values out there that have, you know, lasting implications for a lot of different reasons, especially for that privately held business owner, you know, that individual which really are the lifeblood of an economy. You know, those guys that go out there, start their own business, put it out there on a daily basis with no real safety net, you know, very courageous, have a lot of respect for them, and that's really our target client is that privately held business owner. You're describing a lot of our clients. Absolutely. Well, I I love listening to your commercials, and I'm very familiar with the training. We've had people at the bank go through it um, and have been very successful with it. So, you know, for those people, not only is the capital structure uh, for those companies, not only is the capital structure crucial, but their sales and prospecting. You know, we, we deal with first-generation companies, second, third, and fourth-generation companies. It's a whole new ball game out there for everybody. And no one, if someone tells you they know when the economy will turn or how it will, you know, let me know that. But I would be very hesitant uh, to make any predictions there other than the obvious, that a lot more volatility and uncertainty um, and I loved your commercial I was just on. you got to get tough out there. You know, and oh, yeah. business owners are doing that. We've seen that. They've responded. They're finding more ways to be efficient. Technology is playing a big role in that. Banks are evolving. You know, we have to stay competitive and stay efficient and yeah. try to find ways to do that. Even, even we're not what we were uh, five years ago. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the networking program. Uh, today, our sales management program and, and management program is it a key foundational element um, in our world. We, when Sa- Dave Sandler was alive, uh, there was exactly one book published that you could buy on Amazon. Is that right? Uh, today there are four or five. Mm-hmm. And we've hit number one several times. Congratulations. Hey. You know, we, and we tell people, you know, part of the great part of my job is I get to go out and I get to interact and meet and call on clients and prospects. And you get to see manufacturers, service industry, healthcare related people. Everyone's facing the same challenges. They have to stay competitive. They have to find ways to do more with less. And really, that is as critical as anything else we've talked about. Well, but it's also growing, growing market share. And the things that, that might have worked five or eight years ago and been an industry practice no longer work and you need something new and different. We see that every day. And a lot of people don't want to change. That's exactly right. And, you know, you see some of those, we see that, and that's one of the toughest things to overcome when you go in and tell somebody that some people respond and do very well with it and some people don't. Uh, But typically the ones that have survived um, have found a way, found out what that niche is that they play. And really they've had to go find out why they are who they are, and then how can they get better? And we tell people we come in contact with every day, congratulations. If you are still in business after the last four or five years, congratulations. If you're doing well, even more kudos to you. And there are companies that are doing well. There are. In industries that are down. 
And there are companies that have found ways to bounce back that didn't think they were going to be doing well this year. So, you know, you're, uh, when the going gets tough, the tough have to get going is still in play and, and working very well for a lot of people. And, and I think you really have to use your brains. I think this is this time when you have to do things differently. Sandler said it, uh, break the rules, close more sales. And that's what you got to do. If everyone else is doing it, got to do something different. So at uh, First Financial, maybe you can give us an example of that. Banking is an old industry. You're the sixth oldest bank in America. <laughs> what are you doing differently now that the economy has gotten tougher? Well, I mentioned it earlier. We are much more forward-looking now. You know, obviously, you have to look back and see why a company is in the position they're in. But that's really what we do every day is we go out and whether it's taking care of that existing client, as you just mentioned, their needs will change. You can't rest on your laurels just because they're a client today. You know, there's a lot of other banks and financial institutions out there, um, some non-bank-driven competition uh, from non-traditional sources that are out there now. So, you know, you have to stay competitive, and we think the way you do that is by staying up to date on technology, having the right people in place. And I think that's critical for all companies. But, you know, we try to take care of the clients we have. We go out and are very active on calling on on prospects. Um, groups that we've identified that we'd like to have as clients, people that have that mutually aligned uh, business uh, belief or you know approach to doing business, um, and it's typically been a very good uh, process for us to go through uh, because calling on those new clients can help you figure out you know how important it is to keep those old clients because growth is key in the banking industry and you cannot continue to grow if you bring them in the front door and lose them out the back door. So sure. it's a it's a challenging balancing act. Are you still it's doing the uh, George Schaefer style walking cold call blitz? <laughs> uh, you know, we do a lot of cold calling. Uh, we do some sales blitzes. Uh, you know, we, we have a very extensive uh, sales monitoring program that we utilize. It's um, you know somewhat of an internal um, product that we put together, um, and it's been very successful for us. You know, from first contact through the sales process to the close. So you built your own CRM system. Uh, I wouldn't say it's quite a CRM system. Uh, it might be a, a hybrid of a CRM system, but it, it, it's more of a tool, I would say, that our RMs can use to see who they're calling on, where they are in that process. You know the sales cycle as well as anybody. Every company has it. Banks are no different. You have your prospects. You have information gathering. You have, you know, maybe you have some proposals pending or outstanding. Closed business. What did you lose? What did you win? Why did you lose what you lost? Why did you win what you won? <laughs> yeah, what, what we did over here at Sandler a few years ago, uh, I was part of their marketing technical committee. Uh, Sandler for many years, toyed with the idea of developing their own CRM. Mm -hmm. And that was more or less a a rat hole into which they were throwing money. And so they canceled that project and instead uh, teamed up with a number of vendors to provide a Sandler sales process overlay to existing good CRMs. The first one was 10 years ago with uh, SalesLogic. And today we have... uh, Microsoft CRM, Salesforce.com, Act, and a uh, a Debold uh, system and a a Java applet, which the vendor will 
adapt to your CRM to put the sale process in and provide the activity tracking that sales management needs for the people in the field to create a common language of where they are in the sales process to take the crystal ball effect out of sales sure. forecasting. Sure. Um, in in your world right now, we got a couple of minutes here before the next break. Uh, what are you doing in terms of the internet technology? Uh, a few years ago, uh, some people in this town were extremely high on the idea of creating internet banks with no real bricks and mortar branches, mm-hmm. a la ally banks. Sure. Paperless uh, society, you know, we've heard all those things and and I think maybe someday like me, I can't run the show without a handful of paper. <laughs> you know, maybe someday we'll get there, but banking is such a personal business and relationship driven business, you know, we have dedicated a lot of time and resources to developing our prototypical branch. We want clients to come into the branch. And I think historically, clients came to the branch to make deposits, to do a lot of things that you can do online. But when you have a problem or when you have an opportunity... you you actually have a prototypical branch? We do. It's an award-winning prototype. Is it uh, it a functioning branch or is it hidden in the basement of some building someplace? No, it is a freestanding, typically very functioning, uh, very well-branded very uh, convenient and very friendly place to come into. And there was a lot of thought that went into that because we do see that evolving. And we do see that it's more of a place people can come to get answers, not necessarily to make transactions like they used to. And if you look at the old banks that are out there anywhere, you know they were really built with big teller lines and crowded places mm-hmm. where people came in and stood in line and mm. made deposits or you know cashed a check or did whatever they had to do. Now you can make that deposit by scanning it on your phone in a lot of cases. Or are you guys doing that? Uh, we are not yet. We're working on that, and you know that's a, a great question because technology in that is changing so quickly. When do you dive in? You know, a bank our size, we have to get it right the first time. And uh, you know, we've heard a lot of nightmare stories out there. I think Chase uh, is doing something like that, aren't they? I'm not sure if they are or not. I've heard the bigger banks are uh, some with success and some with not. So that really. You know, that will get there. Uh, but as technology uh, continues to progress as it does, you know, I think that we are aligned pretty well to dive in and make that decision. And we're constantly evaluating different vendors and looking for the best option out there. And as soon as you think you have the best option, you know, the next thing comes out. Well, sometimes you have to go for workable as opposed to best. You do. Uh, I'd love to not have to drive over to the bank to deposit the check. We still have a few clients that that don't go electronic funds transfer mm-hmm. and insist on sending us checks every month. Sure. So we drop everything and we have to go to the bank. Yep. And you know, and we are there on the ACH capabilities that we have, uh, remote capture, you know, remote deposit, our uh, first remote product where a company can make deposits, you know, from the convenience of their office if they'd like. Um, oh, you have a remote deposit. We do. We have remote. Uh, it's not through your uh, cell phone, as we were talking about, but it is. It's a scanner. Oh, um, a little scanner thing where you yep. pass the checks through that's here. That's correct. Well, that's okay. It plugs in the USB port of your computer. That's exactly right. Yeah, that, that's that's fine. Anything to avoid going to the bank. <laughs> we, we we have a, uh, a actually it's an account with you guys with the Mercedes-Benz Club of America. Okay. And... Well, most of the transactions are handled electronically. Okay. 
And then last month, someone bought something from us and gave us a $20 bill. <laughs> Slowed the whole process down, right? Well, heck, I put it on the clipboard with the checkbook, and I said, well, when I pass by the bank, I'll stop and drop the 20 <laughs> into the bank account. After a month, <laughs> I hadn't had the $20 bill in the checkbook as I was passing your bank. So I finally gave it to my wife and said, drive it over to the bank, get rid of it, get it into the, the account. Uh, I would have loved to figure out a way to do that. Uh, anyway, I'm off subject. Well, that's a good point, though. You know, one of the challenges for all banks and all companies are that that social media, as it continues to evolve, you become numb to advertising, and you know, you, you quickly close out of things. If you walk into a you know a great banking center like we have, you know, you're not in such a hurry to get out of there. You know, you've got experts in there that can help you with a wide variety of different things. Um, from your personal banking, planning, um, you know, a whole lot of different opportunities. Good. We're going to take a uh, a short break from this fantastic conversation with Adrian Breen, and uh, we're going to listen to a, another Sandler commercial. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is, their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 or check our website at rothconsulting.net. Company owners and sales managers, are you tired of cutting your price to get the deal? Wouldn't you like to have a better way? Wouldn't you want to improve your margins? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 to see if there's a better way for you. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Adrian Breen of First Financial Bank. We were talking a little bit about the Internet uh, before the break. Let me ask you, uh, on the Internet side of what you're doing at the bank, have you incorporated that directly right in the branches as well? In what regard for access or... Can I go into the branch and access my account to see what my balance is or... uh, You can do that by walking up to our uh, customer service reps that are in the branches. I don't know that we have different pods set up yet. Um, We're looking at that currently as we look at a lot of different opportunities. Because certainly, you know, it would be cheaper uh, from a labor perspective to have a pod I could walk up to and type in six frequently asked questions as opposed to taking teller time. Well, you know, we we just upgraded our uh, ATM network, uh, made a significant investment there. Um, You'll see those ATMs continue to evolve. They're not the ATMs of old. Um, I think there's a lot of information you can get there. But we still like to do business with you coming in and sitting down and talking with somebody. You know, we'll have the Internet um, access. We'll have that connectivity. But, you know, we think, you know, coming in and sitting down and doing business with someone face-to-face, having that relationship, whether it's on the commercial, the retailer, or the wealth side, 
uh, I think we will continue to use those banking centers as information and uh, service centers. Right, and you guys do uh, home loan mortgages too, right? Correct. Right, so that's something that someone would come into the the branch for. Correct. You know, and we're big on financial literacy. You know, it's one of a, a, a big challenge out there. Uh, regardless of your age or financial situation, whether you should be planning for retirement, whether you're trying to balance or have a budget, whether you're trying to figure out if you should go to school, what size student loan based on your major. You know, there's a lot of different opportunities to stop in and talk to somebody that does that on a regular basis and meet with one of our experts. Okay. Uh, I like to ask all of our guests two questions, so you're going to get the first one. Hopefully we won't run out of time. We have a, a theory of operation here that Simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. And so if you want to actually fix a complex problem, you need an equally complex, sometimes more complex solution. Perhaps you could share with our audience a complex problem that you came up with, a complex solution that might be applicable across many industries. I think that's the working capital challenge that I mentioned earlier. You know, it is so critical to the existing business, not to mention growth or future opportunities um, or another prolonged downturn or an additional downturn in the economy. I think, you know, if you understand what role capital plays in that uh, privately held business or any business in general, cash flow, liquidity, um, those things are critical and that's what we are good at. We can walk in, meet with a business owner, sit down, go through a series of questions, and I don't want to say it's quite a process, but it really is a process. Um, you've got the science side of it, which is a number side of it, and then the art side that I keep uh, harping on is that RM's ability and your bank's ability to come back and say, here's where you are, here's where you want to be, and then here's the steps you need to take to get there. Banking itself is not complicated. We take in deposits, we make loans, and uh, you know we try to get paid back for the loans that we make. And we try to give back the deposits that we take in. So, are you making the decisions here locally? Oh, absolutely. That is one of our key advantages: is that local decision making, and that takes you know we have empowered people uh, from Indianapolis, Dayton, Middletown, and in the greater Cincinnati, Kentucky region. That's a big plus. That's a big plus. That helps us with speed to market. It helps us understand the client better, and that's critical because. It's not a check-the-box or a one-shoe-fits-all um, solution. It is that personalized, comprehensive banking solution. You come to us for a loan, and we say, well, wait a minute, there's more to your business than just a loan. You know, Maybe it's your capital structure. Maybe it's your treasury management. Uh, maybe it's a growing liability on your pension um, or on your retirement plan for your business. There are a lot of traps out there that companies can fall into if they don't have that good team in place that I mentioned earlier. Good. Uh, maybe we can spend a few minutes on, on this question of leadership. I like to ask our guests if they can give our listeners, leaders of, of other companies, just one leadership tip that will help them grow their business. I think one of the key things for any business with a leader is to stay involved. You know, you are a leader, uh, you know, and people do it differently. Some people are very vocal. Some people are behind the scenes. But to me, the most successful people that I've seen um, including in our own bank and the companies and prospects that we call on are those people that stay involved, keep that flow of communication open, don't become disconnected, don't assume things. As we've mentioned throughout this show, it's a world of uncertainty out there now, more so now than ever. It's more of a global economy. You can be doing everything perfectly fine and have a blip in Europe now. Come hey, up and you know, <laughs> this really happened uh, on Wednesday. 
uh, we're sitting here in the office, and Carmen calls me out. He says, Mike, you got to help this guy. A guy from China comes in who spoke almost no English in one of the fine, one of the buildings around here, spoke no English. That would be a challenge. No one was with him. And I had a, I went outside and I pointed him to the place that he, the map said he wanted to go. But he was just you know, panicky. He said he'd been driving around for an hour. <laughs> Can't find it. That wouldn't have happened five years ago. I don't think it's ever happened to me before. Right? Someone and there's probably China. an app for that on the phone where you could translate for somebody like that. Oh, I'm now. sure there is. I, don't, I just don't happen <laughs> to have it. Uh, Adrian, we didn't do this. We should have done it earlier. If uh, local business owners want to get a hold of you or learn more about uh, what First Financial Bank can do for them, how do they get a hold of you or one of their bankers? Well, if, you, if they're not currently a customer. Sure, if they're not right. currently a customer, uh, you can walk into any First Financial Banking Center. You can pick up the phone and call us. We're on the Internet. There's a lot of different ways. Um, you know, you can call in uh, to the bank. You know, we don't have a general number, um, but we've got a lot of different ways. You can go to our website, www.bankatfirst.com. You can call me on my uh, on my personal line at 513-979-5757. That's my direct number, or you can email me at adrian.breen at bankitfirst.com, and that's A-D-R-I-A-N dot B-R-E-E-N, the at symbol, bankatfirstspelledout.com. Well, that's great. Most uh, bank presidents wouldn't uh, be giving out their personal cell phone number, but I appreciate you doing that for us. No, that's my direct work line. That's not quite my cell phone. Not quite. On my business card, I do keep that on there, and clients do call. You know, and we don't underestimate the importance of that accessibility. Um, You know, you mentioned the localness of how it's a personal business. It is, and you know, from Claude Davis to Frank Hall, our CFO, to our lead counsel, our executive management team gets out and meets with clients. And mm-hmm. clients appreciate that. You know, they feel they have a voice. They feel that they are an individual, not a name or a number. And when you have that accessibility to those types of decision makers, it's a very powerful advantage for us. So how large a, of a company are you looking for? Well, you know, we typically, our target client is somewhere in that um probably $100 million or less in annual revenues, you know, but that can vary. We have some publicly traded companies, depending on what role we play. We have a very diversified product suite, whether it's equipment finance, our leasing group, you know, our uh, C&I group, our investment commercial real estate. We can play uh, the entire role for someone that needs a bank, or we can play a critical component of what they're trying to get done. A lot of companies, the larger companies today, have multiple bank relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we prefer to be uh, your your bank of choice, obviously, for everything you want to do. But the reality is, some companies have gotten so large and so complex, they need multiple bank relationships. So we are very. I mentioned that earlier. That space that we operate in. Gives I had us a guest like that uh, about a week ago. Okay. Large publicly held company. Yep. Much bigger than they've ever been. And. Their demo, what you would call their demo room, where I met the CEO the first time, was a million dollar room. Is that right? They spent a million dollars. Wow. On the setup of that room, just just phenomenal, uh, and that's okay for their business because that's that's what it is. That's like uh, you you have the the demo branch. We we had a uh, a client that we talked to in uh, Columbus, and. It got to be, they were in the fast food business, and it got to be lunchtime. He said, come downstairs to the 
to the demo restaurant in the basement of the building. They had a gigantic fast food restaurant. That's great. Uh, was with, the food is good? Yeah, and 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 they had they had the standard fare you'd find in the uh, regular outlet, but they had some other unusual stuff, which was also pretty good. That's great. Uh, and it was a great training ground for them. Uh, I never would have believed it was there. <laughs> right there in the basement, right? Right. Well, you know, in my in my world, you get out to see a lot of different companies, and uh, I never know what I'm going to find. You see growth where you don't expect to see it, and you see people having trouble where you expect them to have growth. Um, and some of our clients are commodity clients. Some of them are uh, specialty products. You see growth in both. Uh, it's all about getting to the next level. Sure. Aren't you surprised at the number of companies now that do business internationally? You know, oh. It used to be you had to be X size of a company to do that. Constantly amazed with the you know, the privately held business owner that has found a way um, to go international. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of the coin, and I'm just going to repeat what uh, Bob Reedy said here at the show. He's an international company, but all of his manufactured product comes from here in North America. Most of it made in America. They do make a little in Canada okay. because they bought a company up there. But it's a made in America, and the way they do it is they've invested heavily in implant automation to make the product available at a lower cost because of their automation. Okay, good for them. Hey, phenomenal Again, model. finding ways to be competitive, right, and stay efficient. Highly competitive business that they're in at lighting. Adrian, I want to thank you for uh, being with us today. I'm going to be giving you a copy of the, the Sandler book, The 11 Sandler Success Principles, which came out uh, a couple of months ago. Oh, great. Thank and you. jumped right to number one on the Amazon list and uh, continues on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. Uh, take a read on it. You might I sure will. Learn some, some interesting uh, well, things. I appreciate from that. I appreciate you having me on the show today. I, I enjoyed it. I appreciate you coming out to, to, uh, to spend some time with us. Scott, why don't you uh, take it away? Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.